Hi, everyone. This is Sumbul, the mayor of Cambridge. And I'm uh, Alana Mellon, the vice mayor. And this is our podcast, Women Are Here. It's Friday. We're here. It was a long week. It was a long, short week, although the sun is out now. It was pouring this morning. I didn't think I was going to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. It's so rainy. It was so rainy. And, you know, of course, I wore flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost November. I know. I'm not ready to let it go. You're like a year-round flip-flopper. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this was a long week. We did have Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, so that was, that happened and we, I, this week did a lot, um, around some story times, went to the Haggerty school, went to the Cambridge public library to, to read to little, little toddlers. Oh, Um, I read like a few books. I read, we are water protectors by Carol Lynn's forum. Um, which is a really good, it's just a great story talking about the struggle um, our indigenous peoples and tra- various tribes have gone through and still continue to go through. And then I read Fry Bread, which is like a, a little about um, uh, a bread that you can make um, that goes back generations. And anyway, it was a good way to start the week. Uh, it's so funny. I have a... Um... A good friend who's kindergartner, you were, you went to their class at at Haggerty. And the only reason she knew it happened was she was watching your Instagram. (laughs) And she was like, wait, that's my kid. I guess, you know, she's like, you know, kindergartners, they just don't tell you anything. You're you're like, how was school? And they're like, great. Not like the mayor stopped by and read a book. That's (laughs) so funny. Yeah. One classroom was a surprise, was not planned, and the other classroom, it was planned, but the kids were hilarious and just amazing, so. Well, it, those are all always, like, the, the things you do that you're like, I love this job. Totally, like, literally love it, love it, and the kids are just, like, so, uh, just had their hands up the entire time. <laughs> what was the funniest question that you got asked? That Those are always my favorite. Oh, gosh. You know, I think at the end, they're like, what do you do all day? What do you do? What's your favorite color? (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It feels like our city council retreat where we had to tell people what our favorite color was. (laughs) (laughs) And our, like, what other questions were? It was like, tell us a time when you did this anyway. um, So that was that. I did, like, try to get some me time in and watch some shows and I, I think I told you I finished that horrible, horrible series around that serial killer. Oh, Dahmer? Yeah. Okay, I've, I've watched like two episodes. It's off. I cannot watch it. And you know that I love shows about serial, serial killers. Like it's too, it's too much. I know. I forwarded through most of it and <laughs> I rarely do. I mean, I do that a lot, but not for serial killer stuff. But it was too graphic. I don't recommend it to people. I think it's just, it's just read about it, you know, and yeah, it's just too graphic. Yeah. I, so I was not watching that. I've been watching um, Bad Sisters on Apple TV. Do you know about this show? Yeah. I watched one episode and I haven't gotten back to it. I love it. It's um, the, the season finale is on tonight. It's a Friday night show. So I'm like pretty excited, pretty excited. (laughs) 
Uh, it's, but it takes place in Ireland. And like, I think 90% of the reason I love the show is it's so beautiful where they are. Yeah. I mean, it looks like cold, but like, it's so gorgeous. And they're always going swimming in the ocean. Ooh. Like, so these five sisters, they all like, it's like, we'll meet you at the, whatever. I forgot what it's called. And, um, and when they get there, there's like, everyone's just there swimming. And I was, it's funny. I was talking to our, um, our acting deputy city manager, Ono Reardon, and we were talking about how he loves to go ocean swimming <laughs> at all, like all year long. And I was saying that I watched, I was watching the show and that he's like, yeah, it's a real culture of, of like open water, cold swimming as like a form of like socialization and exercise. And I was like, wow, wow. I know I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it, but, um, <laughs> other other people could and should uh but i i do recommend the show because it's beautiful and i love the lady who's like the main character um she was in that show catastrophe sharon horgan she's so So funny and her i love that show her hair is so perfect and i i want it to be my hair (laughs) i just love irish accents too oh i know i know i know there's something about those accents and scottish oh Yes, 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 yes. Well, anyways, I, I highly recommend that, and we don't recommend um, Dahmer. So those are your recommendations for this weekend. Go forth and enjoy have your fun. enjoy. Um, okay, so we um, we did not have a, a council meeting this past Monday, but we do have one coming up this coming Monday, um, and there's a couple of highlights on it. Two things um, that we've probably been talking about on this podcast. I feel like for the past month and a half because they have been before us and they have to go through the legislative process, but one is increasing our linkage fee um, from $20 and 10 cents a square foot to $33 and 34 cents a square foot. So linkage fee is um, essentially a a fee per square foot on any commercial um, building that's over 30,000 square feet. And that linkage fee goes into the affordable housing trust and that that money then is for the preservation and creation of affordable housing here in Cambridge. So, um, you know, it has been rising pretty steadily uh, for the past uh, decade or so, you know, I guess it started out at around $4 and it went to 12 and now we're, we're contemplating it going up to $33 and 34 cents. So um, tomorrow night is our, our big vote where we make all of our amendments and, and, and move forward with this. So, it's been a long topic of conversation and it is, I think, clear to most of us that we need to do another report to see, um, it's called a nexus study, to see what that right number should be because the last one we had done was in 2019. So that's on the agenda for tomorrow night. And then um, the other one is around eliminating parking minimums, which um, I think there's been a lot of conversation out in the internet and on next door about eliminating parking minimums. Um, so that is on the agenda for tomorrow night as well. If you're interested in that topic, you should tune in at 530 uh, on channel 22, or you can um, just definitely watch the Zoom meeting because I think that's probably the way most people watch the council meetings these days. Yeah. So those are the two big items on the agenda. And then um, we, you and I have one thing on for tomorrow night, which is around supporting our the Harvard Law students um, who have been advocating for getting a reproductive law clinic uh, and a, a reproductive justice curriculum and professor at Harvard Law. So 
as everybody knows, we um, have been going through a crisis in this country around reproductive health after the, the fall of Roe v. Wade. And it's really important, you know, these folks have really been stressing the importance of having lawyers who are up to date and informed on the latest materials and arguments surrounding those, le those legislative, those reproductive laws, if they're gonna defend it. Um, and, you know, when you have a law clinic at your school, um, that's the way people can actually be defended. And th that's where a lot of work is done. I'm telling you, Sumble, but <laughs> obviously you went to law school, you know this. <laughs> I'm telling our listeners, uh, you know, what happens. But, you know, it, I think it's really important that we are um, attacking this issue at all levels and at all issues. And I was so excited to see these Harvard Law students coming forward and, and creating a petition around what needs to happen at Harvard. And it certainly would not be the first in the nation um, to have a reprodu reproductive justice curriculum professor and clinic. Um, there are other universities that already have these. And so they're calling on Harvard University to, to do that now. So the city council, you, myself, Councilor Nolan and Councilor Zondervan put forward a resolution for the city council to support these efforts and ask Harvard to, to really look at doing this very quickly. So, um, I think, you know, I spoke to those folks today, they're going to be coming and speaking in support and, and really letting us know like what the on the ground at Harvard Law School looks like right now around reproductive justice and reproductive health. No, it's so important. And I'm so glad you found um, that they were doing this. And I know I think it's important we help them advocate. Not a lot of law schools have this clinic. I know Northwestern doesn't, but, you know, Yale does. There's a lot of other places that are starting to um and clinics are just I did a few clinics in law school and um they're such a great way to you know for for young you know baby lawyers yet to be lawyers to really organize and um do such important work for for those who need it so hopefully they'll get on board soon we should have brought it up last night when we were having our meeting with Harvard. I don't know what I was Oh thinking. my gosh, I know. <laughs> Oops. What a missed opportunity. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Harvard did this like, um, which is, you know, they, they invited Cambridge leadership to the faculty club, which is on Quincy Street, um, to like a reception to meet some of their core team. Um, I had to leave it early, but yeah, it was... There's so many things we could have been like, well, what about this? What about that? But <laughs> oh. oh, well, uh, next time, next time. next time. I had school committee on Tuesday night. So, um, wow, this week I had stuff very late every night. Luckily, the school committee meeting wasn't too long. We have October's weird where we have another one next week. But we um, one thing we did talk about was electric buses and how we are going to really look into how we can electrify um, our fleet in Cambridge um, to, to electrify a fleet in simple words. So we've had some meetings with the CFO and David Weinstein from the school committee is leading this and um, Rachel Weinstein is um, also involved. They're not related, <laughs> just if those of you are thinking that, um, but they, uh, uh, you know, we've been meeting to kind of look into this issue and see uh, w what we can do um, 
we looked at what Boston was doing and Boston's actually um, this year has a pilot that they are electrifying about 20 buses of their fleet. And, uh, you know, we're going to check in with them about any consultants they have that are doing this work that could help us. We have a contract in place with our bus service company that expires August 31st, 2025. And so, you know, in negotiating the next contract, we're going to, you know, we have to start early and think about how um, we could get to a goal of full electrification um, by, you know, we, I think we're using 2030 as like a time to, to do it by, but if it can happen sooner, great. So we talked a little bit about that on, on Tuesday, in addition to a, a COVID update. Uh, about vaccines and so forth. So school committee is really busy. I forget that I have to always, there's a whole other part of this job that takes up a lot of my time. So um, well, I'm excited. I am excited to hear that there has been some forward movement on this electric bus issue. And like people I'm sure maybe know or don't know, we don't own our fleet of school buses. We do have one electric school bus that is at the high school. I think that was funded out of a grant fund. It does seem to always just sit there. I don't know if it's used for um, athletics or, or what, but we contract through Eastern Bus, um, which does Boston also contract through Eastern, Eastern Bus? Mm, I don't, I think they, I think they do. I think they do. Cause I feel yeah. like I remember looking at their RFP for the electric yeah. bus pilot. Um, but yeah, when you're negotiating a new contract is the best time to, be doing this. And it's great that Boston is like leading the way because I think there has been some reticence in the past. Um, I know we've had been having this conversation for quite a long time. And I know that, you know, Councillor Nolan, when she was on the school committee, this was sort of her big thing. And it was always just kind of like, no, we can't. No, we right. can't. Here's all the reasons. Here's the gazillion reasons why we can't do it. So um, I'm glad that we are looking into this because it's, um, you know, we have some ambitious transportation goals and we have some ambitious climate goals and if we aren't you know like walking the walk and talking the talk as the city and as the school department it is hard for us to say you know to residents that they need to be meeting ambitious climate goals when we're not so exactly exactly and that bus that you're talking about (laughs) yeah we 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 there were some issues with it and then there were some work done on it but now it is being used and it's part of the fleet so it was not being used for a certain time and then they fixed some stuff and now it's being used so because we were wondering all of us were wondering about that too and the superintendent assured us you know it's it's in circuit (laughs) so the other thing was it was being used as a like a cautionary tale too like oh yeah we have one and it's always you know, breaking down. And so now we can't ever think about anything else electric bus ever again. So um, I'm just glad to see some forward movement on that. Keep, keep us updated, please. For sure. Uh, what else? Have, we had a few events together this week, but you did have a cool event um, at the at the Cambridge Community Center, right? Yeah. So the Cambridge Community Center, which is in Riverside, um, you know, has been a community center for a long, long time. I think yesterday they were saying 97 years. 
um, has been in continuous um, operation. And there's so many people that work there or that volunteer there that, you know, every single person is like, I, I come here, I came here as a kid because my dad came here as a kid because my grandma came here as a kid. It's a really like, it's a really, really special place. And it always has been. And I was, you know, saying yesterday, um, we had this event where Congresswoman Ayanna Presley came to talk with the staff and with their board around their sort of really ambitious goal of creating a resilience hub um, mm-hmm. at the Cambridge Community Center. Because during COVID, I mean, I, I was a big fan of the Cambridge Community Center before COVID, but what happened sort of on March, you know, the mid-March when everything shut down, their programming shut down too. And what they did was really remarkable to pivot and, um, you know, they turned into a, a, a food pantry sort of overnight and resource connection. And um, they provided jobs for, for residents who had, you know, lost jobs by, it, it was just really what, what they were able to do um, and the, the amount of resources that they were able to provide in a very, very uncertain time was really incredible. And what they've learned through that process was, you know, the Cambridge Community Center is a hub, right? It's a neighborhood hub. And there are these things called resilience hubs across the country that are kind of gaining traction um, where this would be a place um, where people could go if the power went out for extended a period of time, they can sleep 200 people in their gym. They wanna put in um, walk-in refrigerators that you know would be powered by solar panels so that they could still cook meals for folks it would be a disaster relief and recovery place, as well as being a hub for connection and community, um, you know, doing all the work that they do do now, but also recognizing that this isn't gonna be the last interruption that we go through as a community. You know, it could be another virus, but it also could be a climate change impact. Um, and so they have to do some massive renovation uh, at their center to do that. I think it's gonna be around $10 million, 10 to $11 million to do this, what they want to do there. And so the, you know, the, the tour that we had with Congresswoman Presley and the conversation that we had was really around how, how can the federal government really be helpful in establishing resilience hubs in community, right? Like you can put together a disaster relief tent somewhere. And if people aren't, it's not known to them and they're not familiar and comfortable with the staff, they're not going to go. It's like the, you know, we've had this conversation on this podcast before around cooling centers, right? You can put a cooling center in the middle of a place that people don't go, or you could provide cooling at a place that they always go to, like the library or like a mall, right? Like there's ways to think about um, neighborhood hubs and resiliency and providing spaces and places for people during interruptions, um, but making sure that they're doing it in a place that's familiar to them. So it's really amazing to hear the work that they have done um, in getting it to this place and some of the funding that they have through the Bar Foundation. And, you know, there are a lot of people really on board on this because this would be certainly the first one in the Northeast. Um, mm. And it could be a model for resilience hubs across the country. So it was, it's always great to have uh, Congresswoman Presley in community um, and really just listening to her, you know, interact and really understand um, the needs of her constituents is, it's just always, it's so refreshing to me. And she's always like that person that just comes in and makes everyone feel so welcome. Um, There's just a couple examples yesterday where, you know, 
we were like walking through the center and these two young women kind of walked in like after school and like there's Ayanna Presley like right there and she was like oh hello lady like how was school you know she's just so warm and and welcoming and um you know she she was really like kind of I'm sold on this model like count on us as as partners in this work so um if you are interested in finding out more about Cambridge Community Center and the Resilience Hub and their fundraising efforts, you can go to their website and just check out um, all the information there. And if you want information on how to donate, please let me know. Uh, it's a very, like I said, it's a really ambitious goal, and I'm hoping we can, you know, a lot of things can come together for them. You know, foundation money, city funding, state and federal funding, um, and then certainly people people powered funding uh, would all be all be needed and necessary to make this happen yeah definitely um yeah i well sorry you couldn't be there i'm sorry i couldn't be there and i love ayana and they do a lot of great work and um let's this if there's any way we can keep uplifting it definitely we need to do that so we also had an event <clears throat> was this Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. With, um, CDD, uh, and it was all about celebrating national women's business month. And we went to Cicada, which one of my favorites. It's such a cute spot. If you haven't been, it's across the street from the Whole Foods on in Prospect on Prospect. And it's just a, a great place. And so there are about a hundred women owned businesses in the city. And this was a great place to have a little get together and, uh, you know, have some of those owners come by and, you know, talk a little bit about the programming that the economic opportunity and development division of CDD uh, offers to support women owned businesses so we got there and um, our assistant city manager, uh, Aaron Farouk, uh, you know, said a few words. I said a few words. Um, and then I think I know the owners uh, said a few words as well. But it was a nice little networking event. It was really nice. We had like a beautiful um, night to celebrate. It was just nice to like to be around so many women who are like, I just got so energized by talking to all the women that own businesses. And it's, you know, you think about owning a business and I think about Yoon over at Cicada, right? Like it's a restaurant or it's a, a store, but it's also like consulting companies and accounting firms. And it's all a lot of businesses that you don't normally think about. So it was just really exciting to, there's like female artists that own their own businesses it was a, a great evening just really celebrating the the many women in our community who are with their entrepreneurial spirit. So, and hats off to um, the Economic and Opportunity Development Division um, for really uplifting and doing the work. Like I know that these events take a lot to put on. So thanks to Pardis and the team over there. Uh, it was really great to see everybody. It also inspired me. And I was like, you know, I really want to do this cat cafe. I know I forgot. We Boston is having a cat cafe and now Sumble is she's very interested in and her entrepreneurial spirit has been sparked by this cat cafe. I think this is my next act. You know, people are like, what are you doing next? And I'm like, a cat cafe? 
cat cafe. I think that you should open a cat cafe while you're mayor. And then you, it could be like the mayor's cat cap cafe. And you could do like your coffee hours there and your constituent services. I mean, oh I, oh my gosh, I love this idea. I just don't know how much money it would take to open this. If anyone is interested in investing, <laughs> I have no money. So, well, I, I think would, yeah, I'd love to help do that. I think that you could sign up for the 10 week program on yes. entrepreneurial that um, EODD. Economic EO, who knows? It's a great, it's the, the department for helping entrepreneurs. Yeah. So if you are interested in owning a cat cafe or any other kind of business. Don't take my idea though, <laughs> unless you want to help me. You can sign up for the 10 week program at the economic opportunity development division. Um, it is great. And I've heard um, amazing things about it. So, all right, well, moving off of that topic, there are a couple of things we wanted to let people know about um, bike lanes. There are a couple of new bike lanes that are going to be installed over the next couple of weeks. The first one is going to be on Brattle Street. They're getting bike lanes from Mason Street to Spark Street. Um, and that is the paving has all been done. And I think they're just waiting to do some curb extension work at the Longfellow Park. Uh, and then those those bike lanes and the um, the protected, whatever those things are called, I'm blanking on the name, bollards, those bollards are going in. Mm -hmm. Um, next week. And then on Monday, October 24th, the following week, Garden Street will be turning into a one-way street to accommodate bi-directional bike lanes. That parking will be removed from the north side. So um, the, the space, the block between um, Concord Avenue, yes, Concord Avenue and Waterhouse um, there are still overhead wires from the MBTA, the, the catenary wires. So those will have to come down before the protected bike lane can be put on that block. But the rest of Garden Street um, from Waterhouse all the way up to Huron Avenue will have those bi-directional uh, bike lanes starting the week of 10-24. So that work, both of those works are, are be, hopefully being done uh, by the end of this month. But so watch out for those things. And then we have a couple of events this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'll be talking to neighbors about the fair share amendment, um, also known as the millionaire's tax or it's question one on the ballot on November. Um, and this uh, ballot measure is really important, uh, would, would, would provide a lot of funding for the MBTA, other transportation structure, education, um, and more. And I know that you've canvassed for the fair share very recently. I will be going with um, Rachel uh, Weinstein, the vice chair of the school committee. And so we'll be meeting outside the Cambridge Public Library on Broadway at 10 a.m. Totally fine if you cannot, if you haven't canvassed before, they'll have all the materials. So join us for, starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow um, to spread the word um, on the Fair Share Amendment. How was your canvassing experience? It was good. And there was a lot of people that actually came. It was really nice. I talked to, I think, approximately four people out of my hundred doors. Um, not, a whole lot, not a whole lot of people were home, but I, I will have to say that I think people, I talked to pe some people later and they were, they appreciated the, the flyer that got left because they did have some questions. People had questions around the fair share amendment and the millionaire's tax. I think the biggest questions that people had um, when I was um, canvassing was what happens if I sell my house? Yeah. Um, and so there's like some real specific language around, you know, deductions that you can take. It's really, it's only on the, um, like if you 
make $1 million on the sale of your house, right? Like, let's say you bought your house for 500,000 and then you sell it for over 15 or 1.5 million, then you can also take a deduction. It's $250,000 per person. So it's you, if it's you and your partner, you and your spouse, um, you can take a $500,000 deduction, which automatically leaves that takes you right out of the million dollars. Um, and you can also deduct any work that you ha- have done on your house, whether you, you know, replaced your roof or put a new porch on. Um, if you, as long as you have the, um, the receipts, you can deduct that as well. So the, there's really not that many properties that um, are, you know, you make a million dollars, you don't have those deductions. Um, so it's very, very few properties. And the, the folks that are running the fair share amendment canvases can tell you exactly how many properties actually changed hands in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, I think it's like less than a hundred. I'm not exactly sure, but, and a lot of them were like on Martha's Vineyard and, and Nantucket and at the mm, Cape. Mm. So that, but that was a concern. Cause I think that, um, you know, a lot of people are, um, the, the, the no on one people are really hammering that one home. Cause a lot of people who, you know, own a home all of a sudden, you know, it's like you're over a million dollars just by like owning a home for 15 years or, yeah. or um, the other one was, you know, is this going to hit, hit small businesses? That's the, yeah. that's the ad that's coming right now. So they will have specific language around how to combat that. But the, you know, the, the answer really is no. So right. um, I think this is, this is a really tough one because, you know, I think they've been trying to get this type of tax for decades. Um, and as we've seen, you know, our educational outcomes have just become more disparate. Our transportation system has just been, you know, we haven't put in the financial investment that we need. I mean, there's, you just have to like open a newspaper to see that the T needs more funding. So this fair share amendment, it's, it's only for those two things. It's for education and for transportation. Both of those things need additional dollars each and every year, um, and not just at the whim of the legislature or the governor. So yeah. please vote yes on one. Please tell your friends. Thank you for being out there and, and canvassing tomorrow and, and leading that group. Yeah, come join me, people. <laughs> um, another thing that's happening tomorrow after you're done canvassing for your uh, fair share amendment is the sixth annual MIT Volpe Block Party. That's at Donnelly Field, so the corner of York Street and Berkshire Street. It's behind the... Um, the Valente Library and the King Open and Cambridge Street Upper School campus. Uh, it's a free event for all ages. It's a fun family event. So it's, there's live music, there's food, there's basketball, arts activity, games, and also a dog costume contest this year. So um, if you have a dog and they have a costume, definitely bring them down. There's also a vaccine clinic that's happening at King Open tomorrow during the same time. So you can come get your vaccine, get your dog costume, get your hot dogs, watch your music, see your neighbors. It's going to be a great day. And the weather looks amazing for tomorrow. So definitely come down. I think I'm going to go get my vaccine tomorrow. You definitely should. After canvassing. Um, there's also, I'm going to Danahy Park because there's like a Muslim meet and greet that the schools are hosting. Oh, um, nice. And there's also this like the Bali Eid dinner at Reservoir Church that's open to residents. Folks want some free food tomorrow night at the Reservoir Church. Um, MIT is also doing a Gerba event. <laughs> so I'm going to that and tomorrow night. Tomorrow is looking like it's going to be a very busy day. 
Brad. Busy day. I hope you get some rest tonight. <laughs> I will. I'm going to bed right after this. <laughs> it's it's 3.28 in the afternoon, ma'am. Ma'am. Um, speaking of vaccine clinics and you getting your booster, um, people should be getting their bi- bivalent boosters, their flu shots. Um, there are some city vaccines that are coming up tomorrow, as I mentioned, um, from nine to five is going to be um, at the King Open School. And then on Wednesday, October 19th, from 4 to 7 p.m. at Reservoir Church, thinking of Reservoir Church, and then Thursday, October 20th, from 4 to 7 at the Bazani Center. So um, there's actually more, but those are the only ones that are happening next week. So if you haven't gotten your bivalent booster or your flu shot or any booster, go out and get that booster. We're still seeing a lot of COVID in the community. I did ask the city manager about this, and I mentioned it to you that Boston had done this clinic, you know, maybe, maybe it was a month ago now, and they offered some gift cards and over 700 people came to get boosted just in the matter of that time. And so, and how much were the gift cards for? I think they were 50 or $75. I mean, that's not like a lot of money. It's not. I mean, it's just not. that, just that incentive will get people to come out. So, and, uh, right. So I am curious, like, it's great that we're doing these flu clinics. And I wonder, like, if it's just 20 people <laughs> getting vaccinated, you know, I think it's good to have that data after the end of the month and, and then reassess, like, how about if it's just, if it's a really low, like rate, then let's do some kind of incentive and get that booster rate up. So I'm all for that because when you look at the booster percentages, they're not that high. They really aren't. Yeah. And it's so funny. I talked to people like, I feel like I got my, my bivalent booster, like the day it came out. You did. You did. I did. And I'm everybody I talked to and they're like, Oh, I'm waiting. Like, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting to get COVID? (laughs) Yeah. You get that booster. I mean, it doesn't mean that you won't get COVID. It's just, um, you want to really blunt the impact. Um, and then the amount of days that, that you have it and you, you want to make sure you're not going to get really sick. So anyways, take advantage folks. Um, the other thing that the health department is doing this weekend, um, is a medication take back day. That's two. Oh, sorry. That's Monday, Monday, Monday from one to three at the Cambridge Senior Center. So if you have medication and you're cleaning out your um, medicine cabinet and you're like, what do I do with all these pills that I don't need? Definitely bring them on Monday uh, to the citywide senior center on Mass Ave right across from City Hall. Um, whether it's unused or expired, over-the-counter medications and vitamins, bring them by one to three. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have so many. I have like, all, I have a whole like canister (laughs) I have these prescription drugs from you know when I broke my ankle remember that (laughs) oh my god we haven't talked about that in such a long time (laughs) you know I had to bring it up but all this Vicodin um yeah and like if you I mean I have like two teenagers in my house like people need to get rid of old Vicodin in their medicine right like yes and it's not you cannot throw it down the toilet right 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 so, so yeah. I'll be there and I will, this reminds me, I'll, I'll um, do a, some social media to make sure people can just bring back uh, their, anything they have that is unused or expired. All right. Is that it? Well, one last thing I did want to just mention it. It's a little early, but on 
December, not December, no, <laughs> October 22nd, uh, my office together with the City of Cambridge Diversity Committee, uh, the, the library, we're doing um, a Diwali event outside, inside, inside and outside Cambridge Public Library. So just an event of food, dancing, fun. Uh, so it's open to obviously everyone. So come by. It's the first time we're doing something like this. So we're excited. Well, it sounds like fun. I will put that on my calendar. Please. October 22nd. October 22nd. But yeah, I think that's it for now. Hopefully um, this weekend is fun. and Well, I'm sure everybody in the city of Cambridge will see you at some place at some time tomorrow at all yeah. the things that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to get my beauty sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to uh, ask us a specific question, or if you want us to talk about something on our podcast, you can always tweet at us. I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And I'm at Mayor Siddiqui. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Bye.